a lot of the women that I worked with desired, and they were, they had been working longer than me, uh, and were part, were at varying stages of partnership or, I don't know, years of service at the firm that I was working in. And I remember in particular one of them, and she was my good friend, she said to me, it's a shame really, Christy, that we are worth more working than we are at home. Because really now you need to find the best nanny that money can afford. And that was after the birth of my first daughter. I'd come back from maternity leave and I was really wrestling with being back at work because I felt the great pull to be at home with my daughter, to love her, to care for her, to disciple her and to build her up, to affirm her, to encourage her, just to do all the things that a mom naturally desires to do. Hey ladies, this is Christy Young with The Gritty Gospel, and I'm super excited to be back with y'all today. And today we get the privilege of talking about an issue that affects all of us, and that is money and budgeting and uh, the potential for money and wealth or our desire for wealth, our greed at times, to become an idol for us. And our hope, really, right, is that we would not be enslaved to the mighty dollar, that there we would recognize there's nothing mighty about the dollar, that it's literally a tool that the Lord has given us to be able to provide for our families in this life while we're here on earth. You know, I'd love to start with the Word of God. And so I want to read for y'all Ecclesiastes 5.10, and it says this, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. And once again, Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes is talking about all of the things that are meaningless over time that just mean nothing for all of eternity. And this is another one of those things. Love, um, whoever loves money never has enough. You know, if we're always desiring to have a bigger salary and to make more income and to find another way on the side maybe to make some extra income or to, if our love is for money, then no matter how much we make, it will never be sufficient. And then whoever loves wealth, Solomon says, is never satisfied with their income. So if you really desire, if your one goal in life is to build wealth and accumulate wealth, then you will never be satisfied with your income. If you really love wealth, then you will spend your life like a hamster on a hamster wheel, chasing the very next dollar and your very next promotion, the next salary bump. All of those things will be the, the things that you live for. But Solomon lets us know, and he was the richest man on earth at the time when he was, when he was alive, but he saw that all of that was meaningless, that all of it was a chasing after the wind with no point for eternity. And then really, it did not bring you joy or satisfaction or fulfillment in this life. Because again, if you love it, then you just continually ever chase it and you never have enough of it. And so, so you guys kind of know our story now. Uh, Larry and I graduated from law school and, you know, basically we've been poor and broke you know, students, college students up until that point. So we graduated from law school and we graduated from law school and basically had about $190,000. I know it's crazy. Let your mouths drop open for a minute. It could have been a home, the purchase of a home. Uh, the amount of debt that we had could have purchased us a home at that time. But anyway, so we had about $190,000 of debt in student loans. And he and I both actually got scholarships in, in law school. And so anyway, but we went to a private law school. And so 
So we were serving a 30-year sentence on our student loans. We also were serving a 30-year sentence on our mortgage because then, like dummies, we built a brand new house. We got out of law school and we were so thankful to finally be making actual money that we, I mean, as I look back, I feel like we made so many poor decisions. And so that's part of the reason I'd love to talk about this today because I hope that you can take wise counsel if you are just beginning to jump out into the work world and into beginning to live on your own, budget on your own. Man, I hope that you can make wiser, some wiser decisions than we did. And I'll own it. I think a lot of this was driven by me. Larry desired to make me happy. And then I... At the time, I wanted a new house. I wanted a house, period. But then, and then we decided to build, which was ridiculous. And then, so let me just back up. So we were serving a 30 year, basically, we were serving a 30 year sentence on our student loans, $190,000. We had just built a house for about uh, $285,000. And so now we had that, that debt to pay. So that was another 30 year sentence basically on that debt that we owed. And then we also had about a $28,000 car note. So y'all, we were nearly in debt, $480,000 at that time. So we had just graduated from law school. We had student loan debt. We had mortgage debt. We had car debt. We had every kind of debt that you really don't want. And so, I mean, nobody wants any debt. Really debt is no good. So, but can I tell you, Larry and I felt like we were prisoners to our debt. We literally, quite literally had, you know, you hear the phrase, the golden handcuffs, that people rise to meet their, rise to meet their level of income. So they raise their lifestyles. They begin to drive nicer, once they start making money, they begin to drive, want a nicer car, so they buy a nicer car. Once they begin making money and having a career, then they want to drive, go, or go shop and get some nicer clothes so they can look the role, play the part of the, having the new position. And then you, and then naturally you might like to build a house or to, to buy a home and that costs money. So very quickly, it's easy for us to become chained with golden handcuffs to our career. We can be so deceived by the gold and the handcuffs, we don't realize that they're actually handcuffing us to our careers for years. And so that's why when I tell you that I had a 30-year sentence on my student loans, I literally mean I was gonna be chained to my career for 30 years, Larry and I both were, to pay off our student loans. We were gonna be chained to our career, we felt and believed, to pay off our mortgage. We were going to be chained to our career to pay off our car notes. And so realistically, as we look back at it now, we made poor decisions that, that then tied us to the very careers that we loved, but making us really a slave to our careers. We no longer had come out and had conquered education and been blessed to I don't know, receive a degree and then go out into the work world and begin to make money and just to feel blessed by it. Very quickly, we became trapped by our debt and we became, we began to feel just trapped. And then like we were working to just pay off the things we had already prematurely purchased that probably we shouldn't have until we had begun to pay off debt. And so our lifestyle quickly rose to meet our income. And this is so sad because so many people do this. I think it's common to our flesh, right? We have a desire to impress man. Uh, And we just need to always be checking our hearts to make sure that our desire, really our hope is that we, we as believers can walk in the truth and in 
the knowledge that we do not have to be affirmed by the world and we don't need to impress man. We have no one to impress but our Heavenly Father. And so we don't, we need to make sure that in our hearts we don't desire to impress man and we don't desire the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from our Father in heaven because that's a dangerous place to be and none of us want to be there. I feel like we all desire to please the Lord, to walk with the Lord, to grow in intimacy with the Lord if we are believers and followers of Him. A lot of the women that I worked with desired, and they were, they had been working longer than me. Uh, and were part were at varying stages of partnership or I don't know years of service at the firm that I was working in, and I remember in particular one of them, and she was my good friend. She said to me, "It's a shame, really, Christy, that we are worth more working than we are at home because really now you need to find the best nanny that money can afford." And that was after the birth of my first daughter. I'd come back from maternity leave. And I was really wrestling with being back at work because I felt the great pull to be at home with my daughter, to love her, to care for her, to disciple her, and to build her up, to affirm her, to encourage her, just to do all the things that a mom naturally desires to do. And I will never forget this. As I was wrestling, as I was wrestling, I will never forget this person telling me, yeah, it's a shame. It really is a shame that we are worth more at work than we are at home because we make such good money that really what we need to do is find someone who can care well for your daughter and let them do that while we go out to make good money and that that would be the highest and most efficient use of our time. So as a new mom, her words pierced me like daggers. I literally, something in my spirit, it just rubbed me wrong. It just hit me wrong. It felt very unnatural. It felt, uh, it just felt wrong. I don't even have another word for it. I just will never forget feeling like, man, that's just not the way it's supposed to be. You know, I have just birthed a baby who literally relies on me for everything, for sustenance, for love, for provision, for all of the everything. Like she literally has no ability to feed herself, care for herself, change her own diaper, bathe herself. She can't do anything. So she literally relies on me for everything. And then God has blessed me with like an entire life. Like there is a complex human in this child and the Lord has seen fit to place her in my care. And so I was just wrestling with and beginning to wrap my mind around that reality when we brought Maddie home. And then after a three month maternity leave, and I went back to work. I just was really struggling with the purpose of life, how this was going to work with Maddie, with me going back to work and and then really looking at my debt square in the face, you know, and then that's huge. I felt like the, the debt is huge. I really, in my mind, I couldn't fathom ever being able to leave work. I was chained to my career now at this point because of the decisions we've made. But God, right? So here are kind of the details. So we built a home in a quiet, upscale neighborhood that had, it was one of those neighborhoods where you can walk all through the neighborhood and then outside of the neighborhood, you can go visit every kind of shop. You can go to walk to restaurants. There are little, there's a, there was a pharmacy, but it was fun. And we once or twice or three times a week, we would walk down to the end of the neighborhood and go have dinner or go meet for lunch 
or just go take a walk because it was nice and it was a cool night outside. And I would wear Maddie. I remember just wearing Maddie down to the restaurants. As you can imagine, though, we paid for those conveniences. I mean, we bought in a nice, in a, in a nice city, in a nice neighborhood, in a great location, and property taxes were crazy. The sewer bills were so high. I just, the HOA was high. Everything was expensive. And so I remember feeling this wrestling in my spirit, and, but the numbers don't lie. In my head, there was no way that I could come home because of the debt that we owed. And at the time, I was the breadwinner for our family. I was the one making the money, the most money, and like pretty substantially at that time. And so Larry and I both, you know, we had planned for me to work. I had planned for me to work. I had told Larry. Larry had actually previously offered and let me know that he wanted me to have the option to stay at home once we started having children. But I told him I didn't need the option. (laughs) Before we had kids, I told him I didn't need the option. I just wanted to work. And so, and then, but you know how life is. I feel like young and dumb. I didn't know what I wanted. You know, you don't know what you want until really too, the Lord was guiding me and leading me and everything changed when that baby was laid on my chest. And so, Six months down the road, probably six months down the road, I recognized that the Lord was really weighing heavily on my heart. And I just, I had so many days where I would drop off Maddie and then just cry in my car. I was a hot mess because really I was walking in disobedience to the Lord and I knew it. And yet I didn't want to let go of my career. And I felt like I couldn't let go of my career. And it was painful to me, really. And so I finally went to Larry and I said, Larry, I can't live like this. I feel like God is calling me out of my career. And yet it's everything I've worked for. I make a lot of money. I worry that I'm, that this would be an irrational decision. You know, you start walking down like the practical things like, you know, is this, could this be hormones for me? Is this practical? Because no one in their right mind would walk away from a six figure salary and you've worked your entire, and And if you've worked your entire life pursuing education and this career to then very quickly make a decision like this, that just seems impractical, right? Or um, irrational. And so it really got to a place where I knew God was very clearly calling me out of my career, but from a practical perspective, it didn't look possible. And so I just talked to Larry about it. I went home and talked to my parents about it. And, you know, it was a very big decision that I think everyone was like, hey, Christy, you need to really think about this. You need to pray about this. Uh, You don't want to have any regrets. And if you step away at this point in your career, it may be hard to ever get back at that same place in your career because you're going to have, how do you come back from this basically is what their advice was. And so I took it all in, but then ladies, you may or may not jive with me here and understand what I'm saying. And I bet though, I bet a lot of you will. There was something in in my spirit, I knew that God was calling me home. And so I just needed him to help me figure out how to do it. And so I told Larry, I said, Larry, if you are on board with me, will you help me figure this out? Help me figure out how do we do this? And would you let me come home at this stage, even though we have $480,000 worth of debt? Will you help me figure it out? And then can we just petition the Lord? Can we begin to pray about this? Because I need help. I am being disobedient. It's very clear to me now that I'm being disobedient to the Lord. And I need your help to help me 
to walk in obedience to the Lord. I need to come home. I need to be a mother to these children. I need to disciple them because the inner dialogue in my head or the, as I watch this play out, if I continued in my career, then literally my kids would spend 10 hours every day from zero to five. They'd spend 10 hours every day at an early learning center in daycare. And I would basically throw them into the system. The system is what I called it and thought about it in my head. It's like the system. I'm literally throwing them into the system to be raised by other people the majority of the day. Their worldviews cultivated by other people for the majority of the day, discipled by other people for the majority of the day, fed, cared for, all the things. I mean, potty trained by other people, which is not necessarily a bad thing. That could have been really cool. I just, potty training is going to kill me. But that's beside the point. Anyway, and so I realized, I was like, Larry, this is not what we're called to. We are believers in Christ. We know the good news. It is my, I've got to tell Maddie the good news. I want to live out the gospel with her. I want to live out a Christ-saturated life with her. I want to do all of life together. I want to show her what it's like to serve. I want to show her what it's like to live on mission. I want to read God's word with her. I want to worship with her. I want to do all these things with her. And then one, I don't know if anybody else would do that with her. And if we're in a public institution, publicly funded, then there's no way anyone's going to do any of that with her. And then she's going to actually cultivate a non-biblical worldview, which is then me being disobedient to the Lord because it's my job to, Scripture says it's my job with Larry to bring to mind God, to help our kids and our families to bring to mind the Lord every day. And so I just felt very perplexed and convicted. And so Larry said this to me. So basically, Larry and I had all these conversations. And then Larry said to me, okay, Christy, if this is what you want to do, I'm a numbers guy. That's what he said, basically. He said, I'm a numbers guy. Show me the bottom line. Show me how in the world we make this happen with the numbers. And so I was like, okay, y'all, I had no clue how we were going to do that. We had, we needed my salary on every front. And, but I trusted God. At this point, I knew God was calling me out of my career and I trusted him to make it happen. So I made a spreadsheet. I looked at all of our, I looked at every bill that we paid and I looked at every expense that we had. And then I began to cut all of the unnecessary expenses. I cut eating out. I cut any kind of app, like TV app that we didn't need. I was so humbled really by the word of God. And Matthew 6.24 says this, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I felt very chastised by that verse because I realized that it all, the whole reason I wanted to keep my career, well, one, it was my pride. I'd worked so hard and invested so much into my career that I deeply desired it. And then to some degree, it gave me a portion of my identity, right? And then, but that was an unbiblical worldview that I held to. My identity is in Christ. It's not in my job. But then I realized that my salary, it was my salary. I found comfort in my salary. I found comfort in the money. I had created really, I recognized at that time that I had made an idol of the money, of my salary. And so... I, at that point, I kind of just crumbled to tears because I realized my idolatry. And I realized that if what I was really weighing was simply 
money or the discipleship of my kids. I really was horrified at myself. But I get it. We're human and we're fallible and we make mistakes. And so I just surrendered it to the Lord. And I asked him for forgiveness in all the ways that I'd been disobedient to him. And I asked him that to show us, to make a way for us. If he was calling me home, would he make a way for us that I really don't trust in money? I don't more than him. I don't desire money more than him. I had to call it out and speak the truth to myself and to, with Larry. I was like, no, the reality is I've acknowledged that I have subtly made this idol in my life. But the reality is I don't really believe that. I don't really trust money. I don't believe that we have greater security because of my salary. I don't really believe, no, I think it's all an illusion. I really believe and know that it's all an illusion. Anything that we have is because God, because of God's hand, God's sovereign hand has blessed us with literally everything we have. And so if my salary goes away, he can and will still protect us and provide for us. And then and if he doesn't, then we're on the journey with him because he has redeemed our lives, ransomed our lives, and our lives are no longer our own. And so at that time, I realized the two largest expenditures in our budget were daycare, which was over $1,000 a month, and then our house payment, which was also you know over $1,000 a month. And so those two things, I could not come out of work without getting rid of really those two payments. And so in my mind, I just got to work. And Larry blessed all of this and was on board because at this point, he is seeing, he obviously too, he loves the Lord, wants to be obedient to the Lord. And then he saw my great weight of conviction. So he had to, even though at first he did not like the idea of me coming home because of the great amount of debt we had. But then once he saw that I was serious and that I was willing to make a way and that I was willing to sacrifice he began to get on board and see that it was real and that we needed to be obedient to the Lord. And so then, I'll try to make it a long story short, we put our house on the market within a month. And can I tell you, God sold it in a day. No lie. It was in a market that home, that when homes weren't moving quickly. And so we were concerned, really, except but God, I felt like God was moving and that he was calling me home and that he would make a way for us if this was his will for me to come home. And can I tell you, our house sold in a day. And so instantly we had to go find a new home to live in. And we went way further out into out of the city to a place that is now popping, but it wasn't 15 years ago when we were there, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And so, um, We bought a home that was $100,000 or more cheaper than our previous house. Our mortgage went down to, it went to almost half of what it had previously been. And it substantially breathed life into our budget. And so, and then we also didn't have those substantial HOA dues or those sewer fees or the property taxes. The property taxes were so much lower that, oh man, in so many ways we're breathing life into our budget. We're also not eating out uh, like we were previously. We're trying to really cut it entirely from our budget. And uh, all the coffees that I loved, I was trying to get rid of. And slowly but surely, as hard as it was, because at the firm, I honestly, between you and I, I'm embarrassed to say, but almost every day I ate out for lunch. And so it was a very much a lifestyle change, a shock really to, this, to my spirit. 
Um, except that it wasn't because God was very clearly calling me out of it. And so I desired it. I wanted to be home with Maddie. So I didn't care what we had to cut. As long as we could have food on our table and be together. I didn't care where we lived. I didn't care what we had to cut really. And then for a time, you guys, we even had to put my student loans on hold for a year as we made these transitions so that uh, we could make the transitions for me to come home. And so then we sold my vehicle. Uh, we had we had purchased a brand new vehicle, of course, after I started working. And so we sold it for a 2008 Toyota minivan so that we could put all of our kids in into the vehicle. And it had about 100,000 miles on it, maybe 75,000 miles. But it was used, for sure, used by a family. And, oh, but I was so grateful for that car. I celebrated. I loved having my push doors that both, both could slide open and so all the kids could pop in. And especially as we began to have more and more children, oh, I was so grateful just to free up my hands and for kids to be able to safely get in in the parking lot. And then y'all, it was paid off. It was paid off. That was the best part about it. It was paid off. And so we got rid of the huge mortgage. We got rid of our car notes. And then we put student loans. So we had, we had allowed student loans to go on pause for a minute. Um, so that we could transition me home, transition mortgages, and sell our one house, get into this other house. Oh, and then once I actually kind of resigned from work, we stopped doing daycare. And so that got rid of that bill, which was substantial. And so uh, that bill was actually over $1,000 a month too. So we were putting a lot of money back into our pocket. It finally got to a place where our budget balanced and we could actually bring make begin we could actually begin to make payments on my student loans and that was a day we celebrated when we could make payments on my student loans which sounds crazy and then but can I tell y'all too we were doing this full steam ahead and in terms of being obedient to the Lord our desire to be obedient to the Lord and so instantly when I quit my job we had like no money in our bank account I mean like one dollar and we began to tithe regularly. And I'm super ashamed or embarrassed to say this too, but I'm not because if any of you feel like that, I just want to put on blast all the errors and mistakes and immaturities that we had and had to walk through. Um, I don't know. We just didn't appreciate. I don't know. We just didn't appreciate so much. And so the minute I quit my job, I we began tithing regularly and in a full, in a full way. And whereas previously we were making a ton of money previously, we should have been tithing on it. We weren't because we were too busy chasing the lifestyle that we wanted to live. We were buying new furniture. We had bought a new car. We bought the house. We, um, and then once you get the house, you know, you need all the furniture that goes inside. And so you're, we're trying to get couches or get rugs or get, uh, breakfast table, I don't know, just things that you, you know, furniture for your for your home. And then because we just been through college, we didn't have furniture. We had very little. Oh, and this is so cool. Uh, there is a verse in scripture in Malachi. It's Malachi 3.10 and it says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And you guys, I watched this verse in Malachi just 
come to fruition really for Larry and I. And I don't mean it in a a prosperity gospel sense. Like if you give away everything, God will bless you. If you give everything to the kingdom of God, he will bless you. I do not mean that. I mean, Larry and I legitimately aim to surrender our lives and our money and our time and our resources and all of who we are to the Lord and to his kingdom and for his glory. And as we laid down our lives, we watched God provide for us. There were times that, uh, no lie, when I quit working, I had closed accounts uh, that had been previously associated with work, even like health flex accounts. But can I tell you, several months into me, maybe one or two months into me transitioning home full time and saying goodbye to my career, we received a check for a substantial amount of money out of one of those accounts that I know I I had closed previously. And so anyway, I feel like God is so good. And he just provided for us in ways that we did not consider or could not have contemplated. And there was one time, I will never forget, that I I wear contacts and glasses. And there was one time that I went into the eye doctor and the lens place to order contacts and glasses and to get my, you know, my eye exam done for that year. And it was when we, I had just transitioned home. We had no money. And the, the gentleman who was helping me actually misquoted me in price uh, substantially, he quoted me substan- uh, price substantially lower than what I should have paid for my contacts or eyeglasses and my annual exam. And then can I tell you, once he realized it, he honored his previous quote where I know, I just know that that was the Lord looking out for us. And it saved us like nearly $200. And that $200 meant groceries or not groceries, you know, at the time. I mean, it was every dollar just mattered. And so, oh, I praise God. But there were just ways. I just want to encourage you. If you're, if you are, would be considering the transition from work to stay at home, but all of this makes you nervous, I just want to put our testimony, our experience on blast um, and magnify the Lord in it because he looked after us on every front, even though we literally didn't know how it would play out tomorrow or the next day or the next day. But God, He looked after us day after day after day. And then, honestly, as we began living on a budget, we began to see that we actually got pretty good at it. And then all of a sudden we had more money in our pockets than we had previously. And we, we saw that we were very content on little and that we didn't need all the things we had previously thought that we needed to make us happy or satisfied or joy filled. In fact, Larry still says to this day, one of the happiest times in our relationship at least up until that point, was when I came home because there were stresses in our lives with both of us working that we didn't have to worry about anymore. We didn't have to worry about which person would take off when Maddie would get an ear infection or who would be the one if we both had, you know, meetings or phone calls or things happening late into the afternoon, who would be the one to go pick up Madison and, you know, all of the necessary I don't know, weaving together of your lives to figure out how to pick up children and who will take off when they're sick, those kind of things. Those stresses left us once I came home because I was the one in in the care in charge of the kids to love on the kids and care for the kids and tend to them when they're sick. And then Larry could focus on career without worrying. He knew that the home was being taken care of and managed and that we were Uh, you know, like rocking and rolling there. And so he could actually focus his time and his best energies into work. And then God blessed him in that regard. 
Okay, one thing that as we stopped eating out, one bill that did grow was our grocery bill. And so I had to really uh, fine tune my skills of meal planning. Well, and then honestly, I had to figure it all out, really. I had to begin to meal plan and budget and grocery shop and plan grocery lists and plan you know, every meal that we would be eating so that we could make our money stretch. And we love Aldi. Aldi is such a great way to save money too, to shop at Aldi first and then go to Sam's or Walmart or wherever else you might be inclined to go to, to buy the things that maybe, you know, to fill the gaps of what was not present at Aldi. But my encouragement to you mamas, if you are not meal planning and Grocery shopping. I think grocery shopping online is awesome because you're not bringing your kids into the store where they can pick out five more items when you're in there to increase your your bill at the end of the at, as you check out. Um, I also think that it lets you be an astute planner. You can take time to focus on the planning and not have to waste time going through the store um, if you can have enough foresight and forethought to be able to do that and execute it in order to have meals on time for your family. Finally, I want to say this. Once I came home and then we put my student loans back in, we took them out of forbearance and we put them back into, I don't know, like the regular payment rotation. We just began to crush it. Everything that we had, we threw at the student loans. In roughly seven years, we paid off almost $190,000 of student loan debt. And I'm not saying that in a bragging way. I am so thankful to the Lord. He provided all along the way to make that possible. And there were there were career jumps that Larry was able to make. Uh, I remember one time we were even in the hospital with our second baby girl, and we got a call from a partner that I used to work with, and uh, she offered Larry a job or a job opportunity. He just needed to put his name in the hat to go interview, uh, but she was going to put in a good word for him. And he then received a substantial sign-on signing bonus. And so we used all of that to pay toward our student loans. Anytime we ever had any extra money, we would throw it at the student loans. And so now, by the grace of God, we have no student debt. We have no car notes. We, have, we do have a mortgage that we are aiming to quickly pay off if the Lord is willing. But man, we are so thankful to God that we have no debt. Okay, and then I just want to end with this final word. I just recently had a friend ask me about my transition to stay at home, and she was wondering if it was worth it, and what would my advice be to her, and would I do it all over again? Those were kind of the things that she was asking me. And of course, I was so elated to talk to her because, again, I feel like I never had anyone to talk to, so I'm so excited to talk to other women who are in the same boat. And these are the things I told her. I told her first there's no doubt about it that you are going to sacrifice for your kids. So when you come home, you are going to work hard. You are going to teach and disciple and train and love and do grocery shopping and cook meals and put babies down for naps. And you're going to wash clothes and wash sheets and wash babies. And then you're going to do it all over again the next day. And you're going to do it all over again the next day. And then you're going to do it all over again. And so is it you work very hard as a stay-at-home mom, a homeschooling mom, but it is fruitful labor. The thing is you're investing for all of eternity in your kids and souls. And then with anyone else that the Lord puts in your path, you get to work with an eternal mindset, teaching, wielding the word of God as you discipline and as you train your kids. I told her she's going to have to forego eating out and probably any clothes shopping 
purse shopping, shoes shopping, every kind of shopping. You won't be able to do it anymore, probably. And I told her, but that was the case with me. And I literally have no regrets. I would do it all over again in a heartbeat, anytime. I told her secondly, that she's not gonna miss her stuff. All of the things that she previously desired and enjoyed and wanted, like the lifestyle of being able to work, I told her she was not gonna miss her stuff, that I literally have not missed my fancy phones or my fancy purses or my fancy shoes or all of the things that you previously so desired and enjoyed. Really, when you transition to coming home and aim to do it because the Lord has called you there, then that is so fulfilling and so worth it that your spirit is so full. You don't need all those other fleeting things. In fact, you realize you're fuller at home with a t-shirt on and jeans with spit up on your shoulder, maybe, and, uh, the spilled milk on the floor that you're cleaning up. I don't know the next, every next project that kids, kids, uh, cause or allow, you know, like living with kids is crazy, right? So there are markers to clean and spills to clean up and markers to wipe off the doors and then markers on your couches. And I don't know, it's just like always the next mess or spill or, or refereeing between kids. There's always the next, next task. But it's literally when you're aiming to do it all with a biblical worldview so that you're teaching and discipling the whole time you're doing it all, man, it feels good. It feels like you're right where you need to be, that you're in in it all, being able to speak the word of God to your kids, teach your kids with the word of God. And man, that is so fulfilling. And then I told her that it was so worth it that she should downsize everything. I told her it was so worth having a smaller home to be able to spend more time with your kids that I would do it all over again in a heartbeat and that it's absolutely worth it and that I would downsize everything. You know, the smaller your house is, the less furniture you need. The smaller your house is, the lower your bills are. The smaller your house is, yeah, the less water you use, the less air you need, the less, the fewer lights that stay on. I mean, in every regard, when you downsize, all of your bills go down. All of your bills decrease. Your mortgage decreases. I mean, on every front, you save money, which then breathes life into your spirit, where then you're free to live. You're no longer in bondage to your assets or to your bills, but now you are free to live. And I keep thinking, I kept telling myself, Jesus came to us so that we could have freedom and life abundantly. And so he didn't Jesus didn't intend for us to be slaves to our careers or slaves to a huge house or slaves to whatever we could be slaves to. So if there's anything in your life that you feel like you are a slave to, man, Jesus just never designed it for for us, for us to live like that or for it to be like that. We do not have to be in bondage to anyone or anything really but him and out of our great love for what he's done as he has ransomed and redeemed us, then we now lay down our lives because they are not our own and aim to live for him and for his glory. And then as we aim to do that, we pull up our sleeves and dig in, in our homes, in discipleship, in loving others, bearing others' burdens, um, and doing all the things that he would call us to do. And among those things, we submit our finances to him. So we aim to be good stewards of the resources that God has given us. And that means we need to examine where we spend our where we spend where we spend our money and need to make sure that we are passing forward our money so that we would make store up treasures for ourselves in heaven so that we would be uh, not aiming to build, build wealth here, but that we could build wealth in heaven, that we would use our resources for his kingdom now, that we would bless his people who are hurting now with money that he's given us now. And so in every way, 
while we are so grateful and need to and, and can be thankful for the ways he's providing for us and our families, let us all be generous people who would look after others, sacrifice for others, give to others, because God calls us to, and it is good and fruitful work. It's good and fruitful labor. And then it reveals our heart conditions too, that we are not so desiring to cling on to every dollar that God has given us, but we recognize that all those dollars he has put in our hands to use for his kingdom and for his glory. And so how can we be a blessing to others and a blessing to ministries and a blessing to the poor and a blessing to, I don't know, anyone who might need something. And so I don't know, let us be people who would not be enslaved to the mighty dollar, but instead let's use those dollars for his glory and his kingdom. Love you, sister. Until next time, this is Christy Young with the Gritty Gospel. Love y'all. We'll talk soon. Thank you.